Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChampaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome to Patriots 4th and 2, the official podcast of PatsFans.com. We are back on Patriots 4th and 2, the official podcast of PatsFans.com. I'm Russ Goldman. Along with me, as always, is Steve Balsheri and Derek Havens. In this episode, we're going to look back briefly at the Patriots victory against the Lions. And later on in the show, we will be previewing the upcoming game for the Patriots against the Bronx. On top of that, we have some topics we'll be discussing during the show. So we have a lot to get to, but before I bring in my co-host and get to one of our topics, do want to mention to please subscribe on YouTube and Apple podcasts on YouTube to the pastfans.com YouTube channel and on Apple podcasts to Patriots fourth and two. Leave a review. You can tell how, say how bad I am, how great Derek is, and how great Steve is. Feel free; it'll still help Patriots fans find us. So thank you very much. We do for leaving a review. <laughs> I know you guys are probably behind all the negative reviews. Okay, that's true. That's all our burner account. That's there it. you go. Exactly. Exactly. Okay, guys. Before we really get into talking about the Lions, we're just not going to spend. We're not going to spend too much time. I'm just going to answer or ask a very interesting question. Are you happy with Zappy? Now, what I mean by this is it seems fever? that here in Boston, there's a, a Zappy takeover. It's, by, a, it's a second pandemic, really. I mean, it, it is. Uh, I've told Steve about this. It has gotten really stupid. It's yes. gotten stupid. It's on social media. But it's also many members of the media who want, let's just call what it is, a quarterback controversy. So, guys, I'm happy with Bailey Zappi. I'm happy with him as a backup quarterback, maybe for many years to come, like Brian Hoyer. That's as far as I'm going to take it. Can he win on Sunday? Yes. But he will never, ever be an elite starting quarterback in the NFL. I've watched too much, guys. So, I'm happy with Zappi as a backup quarterback. Derek, thoughts on just talking about Bailey Zappi. I know it's a small sample, but you can see the tools. He can get better, but I think that there is a ceiling there, and I think people are getting really just taking it way too far, especially our local media here. Yeah, you know what I'm getting annoyed with? I'm getting annoyed with the fact that 
we have to like <clears throat> like disparage the kid <laughs> because no, some people I'm are making gonna... it out more to what right. you know more than what he is like let's, let's call it, let's, let's call it what it is he's a fourth string quarterback from a lower level college program that's a rookie that that probably wasn't expecting to see the field all this year two weeks ago he's the backup quarterback and you know a couple of what was it two three drives in all of a sudden he's stepping into a pretty pretty Tough place to play in Lambeau Field. Then he gets his first start against the Lions, who, again, have an atrocious defense, and we'll get to it, and that was on full display last weekend. He does basically very similar things to what Mac Jones did last year. They had the training wheel offense on in full effect. And now I'm not blaming the Patriots for doing that, and I'm not even discrediting Bailey for you know how things were set up. They put him – the coaches did a great job of putting Bailey Zappi in a position to succeed, and he succeeded. Now, what I get frustrated by is I, I think some people are looking at the Bailey Zappi situation. I've been frustrated with, you know, the media members are, Rush, you already laid it out. We're not surprised. That's not surprising. No. The things that I'm a little aggravated about is the fact that, you know, people are all of a sudden talking about Mac like Bailey's on the same level or better than him. Well, they're running two, two different offenses. Mac's a much, much more um, qualified NFL starter than Bailey will be. And I think that he could be the backup to your point, Russ, like he yeah. could be the backup for the next few years. And I don't think that's a bad thing. I think that's a good find in the fourth round for a quarterback. No. Um, I just think that people are taking it too far. And I think some of it is for personal reasons. And I think honestly, guys, I don't know if you agree with this or not. I think some of the fans that you have heard kind of pounding the table for Bailey Zappi. I think what they're really telling you is that they don't believe in Mac Jones. That's what they're okay. really saying. Okay. And so it's an interesting way to look at Steve disagrees with you and I'll go to him in a second, but I, I, I think the people I'm not talking about the media members. I'm talking about fans, a- any fan who's, who's listening and thinking that they want Bailey Zappi. I think they're, I think what they're really saying is they don't want Mac Jones. I don't, I don't think people believe in him. I'm saying just those people who were pounding the table for Zappi, but okay. Steve, please go ahead and, and, and Steve, disagree. go ahead. Your rebuttal. Um, well, no, it's not a rebuttal. I mean, I, I think, Derek makes some great points, but I will say this. I mean, I I don't think uh, we can qualify Zappi as not being starting caliber this early. Okay. I think he has the tools that he might be. I mean, we don't know yet. It's way That's too true. early to, to judge him either, you know, pro or, or con uh, this early after – you know, a small sample size of two games. He might end up being a great quarterback. We don't know. He's small. But Drew Brees was small, too. And I'm not comparing the two. I'm just saying, you know, um, it, it's far too early for, for those type of things to be said. Now, I will say that when Mac Jones comes back, this is his team. The it Patriots is. invested a lot of time and effort into him. And if you look at the protection – that Zappi has got the past two games, it's far and away much, much better than Jones had the first three games. You know, I mean, you, you look at it, Jones was getting rocked back there. Now, the offensive line seems to be finding its feet. That's a great thing. But Jones would have been doing all the same things and more if, if he was getting that protection all season. Right. Right. So I agree with that. I'm and I, and I agree. And I, I'm Go going to uh, say this. The people that are pounding the table for Bailey Zappi 
I don't think it's they don't believe in Mac. They want a change in the coaching staff, and they're Boom. looking for any excuse. To I say, agree with well, that statement. Bill whiffed on another first rounder. You know, they had him yeah. for a year and they were already replacing him. And don't tell me that that isn't going to pop up. No, the thought well, actually crossed my mind. But the coaching Eric? staff is an interesting point. I do like well, okay, We're going to talk about the coaching staff too. I want to get oh, there too. Okay. Okay. Then I'll, I'll table that. But I do think that's an okay. interesting point because we're looking at it from different directions. I guess I'm looking at it as I, you know, how we've been talking about over the course of the last year plus about how Max development is going, where he projects to be, is he the guy, et cetera. And so I looked at it from that perspective of people saying, yeah, Max, the guy, but then, you know, you know, saying they want Zappy, you're looking at it as the, as a take on the coaching staff, just a different viewpoint, but yeah, no, it's interesting for sure. And I'm glad Chris is on hundred percent on Mac. I I'm still with Mac. I still, I'm still frustrated with what we've seen so far um, this year because he's been turning the ball over too much. But when we get to the coaching staff, I want to bring up a couple things. But yeah, definitely, I want I want to get him back on the field hopefully soon because I I would like to get him you know back on the right track a little bit. Okay, now Chris brings up an interesting comparison. Russ, would you compare Bailey Zappi to Jacoby Brissett? No, I wouldn't. Who I would compare him to is actually going to be an interesting one. I would compare him to a young Brian Hoyer. Now, I don't think that's an unfair comparison. Brian Hoyer had similar tools and was a, turned out to be a career backup. And I don't think that's a bad comp, and I don't think that's an insult to Bailey Zappi. I would compare him to a young Brian Hoyer when he was starting out. Wasn't Hoyer was coming out of up. Michigan State? Wasn't he pretty athletic, too? I mean, I thought he was a little more athletic than maybe Zappi. I don't know. I don't know. Well, he, he was an undrafted quarterback. I mean, and if you want how, to say that they're smaller in stature, yeah, under, I'm looking, I'm good students of the they, game, not a big arm, good ball edges, placement, then sure. Game you know. edges, right? and, and to your point about the media, Russ, yep. uh, Florio today on whatever site that he writes for, I can't remember the name. Pro Football Talk. Yep. That's it. Um, he wrote that Mac Jones and Bill Belichick are feuding and they can't stand each other. That Boy, that doesn't sound familiar, does it? No, no, and again, there's and, and uh, how how there's, they got to this isn't part of this. How they got it, to this myth is a really good question. I have no well, idea. I think it's all the stuff over the summer, and I I'm not I I don't know if it's a Mac. I don't think it's a Mac and Bill thing. I think that Mac was frustrated probably with the situation of losing Josh and the offense, you know, and things like that. But I don't think it's like they're at each other's necks, and I think that's just such a two to six topic. I can't even understand it. Yeah. But, you know. Okay. Whatever. Well, I wanted to start by just talking about the media circus and also social media circus surrounding Bailey Zappi. Put that into perspective like the three of us just did. But now let's focus just a little bit on the game. Just give me your overall thoughts, Derek, on the game. Then we're going to talk about some topics that go along with the game. Yeah, and it's like I said, it's Friday, so we'll keep it really brief. Honestly, I thought the uh, the game was really interesting. I thought the coaching staff did a nice job putting Bailey Zappi in position to succeed. They were running the ball at a nice clip. Ramondre Stevenson just is an absolute animal, and I, I'm sad that you know I never want to see a player get hurt. I do think the silver lining of the Damian Harris injury is I'm curious just to see. Ramondre kind of in the solo role. I know I know that Kevin Harris has been elevated and Pierre Strong will be there to back him up as well, but I know that Stevenson's going to get the lion's share of the carries and I'm interested to see how he looks cuz I think he has a he's he's displayed a really nice 
Really nice set of tools this season. He looks like he's vastly improved. And defensively, um, I, I look. I want to. I'm going to take a mea culpa on you know Jelani Tavai. I think he's been very solid in the front seven. Matt Judon continues to be on another level. But Jack Jones, the rookie, <clears throat> rookie cornerback, once again. Back- Back-to-back weeks, um, that interception he had was terrific. He actually was not even covering the guy that was targeted. He actually peeled off his route, came back, almost looked like a safety, in, like a free safety kind of roaming back there. And I thought the awareness to not only catch the ball, but also get his feet inbounds. It just, he has, I can see, he has the ball skills and the instincts. He's everything that he was kind of billed as being. He's very aggressive. Um, and I, I just, I'm excited what we've got with a couple of guys going on that side of the ball. I think the defense has improved. Russ, you mentioned earlier how the offensive line, or maybe it was Steve, you know, one of you mentioned how the offensive line has really stepped up the last couple of weeks. I think both of those things were struggling pretty hard. Now I'm not going to make it out to say the defense is like, you know, the steel curtain back there. They're still, they're still letting teams move the ball, but I do think they're heading in the right direction. And, and I thought it was a full team, you know, nice, a, a nice complimentary, you know, full team performance. It was a good win. Okay, Steve, to you. Yeah, I agree with a lot of that. I mean, you know, I thought that the, especially the defensive coaches, they had a tremendous game plan. Yep. And what was good is that the players executed it. You know, you got Detroit coming in, you know, they and on just this one Sunday, and I know it's just limited, but they they were averaging more than two yards a carry less than they had all season. And that speaks volumes to your front seven doing their jobs. They held the Lions to only a 3.7 yard average on the day. That's very good. And, you know, um, the Lions have a a lot of, you know, uh, quality pass catchers. And, you know, the, the guy they obviously focused on stopping was TJ Hawkinson. And, you know, he, he only had one catch for six yards. And that was, I want to say it was late in the third quarter, or early in the fourth. So, yeah, it was late. And I'm on Ross St. Brown was limited, you know, and he wasn't yeah. at full strength. And, you know, they, they have some good firepower. But, you know, this isn't a team. At, a, a shutout in, on any team, I don't care who it is in the NFL, is, is impressive. The Lions had scored 140 points coming into that game. Their offense is not a joke. So the fact that the Patriots defense kind of shut it down, it, it should give you some confidence in, in you know, what they're doing on the defensive side of the ball and, and that some of the players they're putting on the field right now. Okay. Yeah, I think, I think it was, it was a great performance on the defensive side. Um, Nick Folk is, you know, we kind of overlooked Nick Folk. Uh, automatic. Right? Almost yeah, automatic. I mean, he's, he's about as, if you're inside of 50, just chalk it up. I mean, it's 63 in a row. It's crazy. That's ridiculous. NFL record, by the way. Yeah, and yeah, it that's... continues to grow. Okay. So, um, and offensively, I, I agree with all of what Derek said. You know, they they played very conservative. Yes, they were over four in the red zone, but I think that because of the way the game was going, they weren't going to push the envelope with Zappy, and they were just like, if we can get three points, we'll take three because the defense is playing lights out. By the okay. way, by the way, last thing on the Lions for me is okay. if you if going back to last week's show, I was talking about the Lions are fast and loose and they're going to come in here and and I'm just like waiting for them to do something stupid and I didn't have to wait 
longer than the Lions' first drive when Dan Campbell put them in a freaking hole immediately with that idiotic Brandon Staley-esque fourth down call. You go – you I, pick your spots. Like the analytic, the analytics in the NFL have gotten to a stupid – it's like they're playing Madden. Like it's like the dumbest thing you've ever seen. Dan Campbell put his – put on the road, put his team – Gave gave the home team the ball on the plus side of the field and immediately had to chase the rest of the game. Just it was just so it was so dumb. After that Kyle Duggar touchdown, that game was over. It felt like it was over after the Jack Jones interception. Okay. I mean, it was three to zero. It's just like I I know this Patriots team isn't like a world beating team right now, but it should give you confidence that Bill Belichick still knows how to coach circles around guys like Dan Campbell. Well, that's gonna bring me to really talk about it. Topic before we again talk about the Browns game, I wanted to focus on talking about the coaching staff. Okay, we could talk about specifically for this game, or we could talk about in general terms. Okay. Reason being is that this entire summer and the beginning of the season, there was so much scrutiny on not just Matt Patricia and Joe Judge, but on Steve Belichick. I will even say Gerard Mayo all of the coaches as not being what you're looking for with a coaching staff, because what Belichick has done, and we've talked about this over and over again, he promotes from within. He promotes coaches that are part of his system or know his system because that's what he's going to do. It's going to be someone within his realm. I'm not against that, especially the coaches that have started from the very beginning, including both of his sons, who get a lot of crap because they're Bill's sons. But at some point, you have to look at yourself and say, well, maybe Steve Belichick can coach. Maybe Gerard Mayo can coach. Let's let's do this. Uh, Steve and we both, I mean, I, I'll just say this. Steve and Gerard on the defensive side of the ball, let's grade them right now. I mean, just throw them, just a package deal together. How do you feel about them so far this season? B? Like they've been fine. I would, I would say B or I would go B minus because there's always room for growth. Right. But, and they, and they, and like but, said, if, the but if you're building and you're week, starting but, at a B minus or even a B, that's a pretty good thing. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not basically my point was like, okay, let's go to the offensive side. Now, now we're going to do Matt Patricia okay. and Joe judge. Okay. We fair. all, we all were very critical and I think deservingly. So I still, I still questioning it, but okay. how do you think they've done so far this year? We'll go individually. Okay, so, well, it's hard to go individually if you're going to talk about Joe Judge and Matt Patricia because their roles are probably fairly intertwined with Belichick as a coaching staff offensively. So I know what you're saying. Are we talking about Joe Judge because he's a quarterback's coach? Is that where we're going I'm on just this? saying Joe Judge and Matt Patricia, they're they're kind of tag team in the thing, just like Steve and Gerard are doing on okay. the defense. So like, we don't have to parse it too much. C+. plus. Okay. I actually was about to say the same thing. What about you, Steve? I, I give them a C because I think they're getting better as the season goes along. That's yeah, why I think I the was biggest, going in that my way biggest too. criticism of them so far has been that I still don't think the offense is extremely creative and the play design. I'm still like, I just think that they're lacking that. But right now, I think that we've seen that Patricia has who's been basically the play caller. I know all three of them, including Bill, have hands in the offense, right? But I think Patricia, as the play caller, I haven't had a lot of problem with how the games have been flowing at all. And that's not surprising because at least he called plays on defense. We knew that that could be a silver lining. Um, my question, though, to you guys, though, is 
Are you frustrated with how you've seen the offense run with Bailey Zappi versus how it was running with Mac Jones? Well, it's well, an I'm interesting not question. Go ahead. I, you know, I realized the fact that, you know, when we talk about creativity, that was one of the, the, uh, the mm-hmm. knocks early in the season because they were struggling so bad. They had to dumb it down and get very, you know, basic with it. But, you know, then you bring in a rookie third string quarterback and you have to dumb it down even further. So I I don't have a problem with Patricia's play calling being as vanilla as it has been, because I think that if you throw too much at the rookie, he's going to get confused. He's going to slow down his progressions and he's probably going to make mistakes. Well, let me say this though, because Patricia with Zappy, I totally understand. I guess my point was the fact that I'm looking at, the last two games, and I'm like, wow, this is the training wheel offense. This is what Mac Jones was in last year. I think in even a, even a tighter form, even a tighter leash these right. last couple of weeks. But the first couple of weeks we saw Mac Jones, it looked like he was almost trying to do too much. And I just feel like I just feel like the offense has been relatively efficient. They're not scoring touchdowns, but they're moving the ball and kicking field goals. That's right. But all I'm all I've watched the last two weeks, and I'm thinking to myself, man, why don't they go back to doing some of the things they did with Mac Jones last year? where he was in control and then grow from there instead of these these deep shot plays they were taking in the first three weeks, and he's putting up a bunch of turnovers. I don't know. I feel I felt a little frustrated watching these last two games because I just feel like – I'm not saying they needed to put the, the training wheels on Mac like they did with Bailey Zappi. I just feel like they just threw him out into like the deep end a little bit with right. some kind of bland play calling. I don't know. Well, play design. Here's the thing, say. Derek. Here's my thoughts about why I believe they did what they did. They're basically saying, as you just said, they threw him into the deep end. They threw mm-hmm. Mac Jones into the deep end and say, listen, we're going to get behind you and we're going to give you plays that are going to extend your growth. Now, they might be more simplistic, as you said, but I think that they're trying to help him grow as a quarterback. Opening up his arsenal is the way I'm looking at it. Are they basic? Yes. But you know what? You can always fall back on what they've ran with Bailey Zappi. Yeah. She said the training wheel's on. Could there be a combination of the two? Maybe Maybe they can learn from the success with Bailey Zappi and exactly. do a combo package here. Do some play action. Because the one thing that they have not done with Mac Jones has been play action. And they but have been doing that like 50% of the time with Bailey Zappi. It's exactly. all play action. So what I'm hoping, Derek, is that they look at this experiment with Zappi and also with Jones and give a combination of the two philosophies when Jones returns. And, and, and I think I, that's a great point. And, and I then would I think also you say, have the best of both worlds. I would also say I, I hope the silver lining of this injury is Mac Jones watching the offensive line being like, Okay, I don't need to speed up because I do think that he didn't trust the offensive line the first few weeks. I think it, I think that goes back to the summer because I thought Mac was really flustered the first couple of weeks because he was worried about what's in front of him. And Isaiah Wynn was just an absolute disaster. Now I think he's played a tiny bit better the last you know week or the last but, week. But overall, now. I think the offensive line is in a much better place than it was yeah. the beginning of the season. Oh, I agree. But I'm saying that some of the dysfunction with Mac on the field has been his lack of trust. I think in things around him. 
Mm-hmm. That's just my opinion. I, I don't know if that's true or not. And and to Chris's point about the red zone offense being you know an issue, you have to keep in mind though. I mean they they've barely thrown into the end zone at all. It's it's just like it's just like with Mac last year. They're not going to have Bailey Zappi throw the ball into the end zone. They're just not going to do it. But they haven't they haven't um, punched it in as much as they need to because things get tight, you know, and it's hard. And they and they haven't had the they haven't had the um, kind of the step up from the tight ends that we were all hoping for, which you know were two big targets down there. Okay. It looks like Claire has joined us, and I just want to mention this to Claire because I know she's watching live. Hey, Claire, I talked to a certain tight end's brother today. So I'm sure by me just saying that you lit up like a Christmas tree. I'll just mention that right now. Anyone that knows, uh, I actually work at a place where I see Rob Gronkowski's brother, so I have mentioned Claire. So, uh, you know, just thought I would mention that, Claire. Hopefully I didn't embarrass you too much. Okay, Steve, back over to you. Thoughts on what we're talking about here with with the coaching staff, with the offense. What do you think about what I'm thinking that maybe Matt Patricia Joe Judge and Belichick should consider a hybrid of what they've done with Mac and what they've done with Bailey Zappi? Yeah, I mean, you, you have to go with what, what works for them. Obviously, what they've been doing with Zappi has worked a little bit. I mean, they're moving. They're still moving the ball. They've moved the ball all season. They just haven't been scoring enough. Right. Um, and, and again, you have to look at the defense, too. The last two weeks, the defense is getting some turnovers. And nothing helps uh, an offense that's struggling to score points more than the defense scoring for you. And, you know, that, that injects a, a ton of confidence in your offensive guys knowing your defense is going to be there to pick you up. So, you know, I don't have an issue with any of that. I, I think that as long as uh, you find what works for the personnel that you have, then go for it. You know, I, I just think, you know, they're learning on the fly and they're getting yeah. better. You know, <clears throat> like you said, they haven't, you know, they hadn't used play action passing at all with no. Mac. And now they're using it a lot more because the running game is starting to, really gain some traction and that opens up all kinds of avenues for you in the passing game. And now, you know, um, I think this week will be interesting because Tyquan Thornton got his feet wet last week. Steve, can we talk about what you and I were talking about on that Sunday about Tyquan Thornton, my theory behind that? Go right ahead. Okay. So Derek, Steve and I were talking on Sunday and I said, if Tyquan Thornton was active, it was because of possible his rapport with Bailey Zappi, meaning that they probably worked a great deal together in the uh, training camp, pre- in training camp and preseason, and that this might be a good sign for Bailey Zappi to have someone that he's already worked with and integrate him into the offense. And guess what happened? They made him active, and he was a part, a small part, but he was a part of the offense. I disagree with you, but not for not because I don't like where your head's at. I think they just really like Tyquan Thornton. I think he okay. would have been out there if Mac Jones was out there at all. And okay. I'll tell you right now, the fact that he came off IR, I like what he one I, week and I immediately like what he got onto the field. Yeah, speak and they and he and he was in multiple different alignments. Yeah. And I think that speaks to how they think of Tyquan Thornton and, okay. and the way Nelson Aguilar is playing. I know he, I know he had a good summer. 
I know he's made a couple plays here and there, but the way he's played the last couple of weeks, he's going to be losing snaps. And, and I know people keep, talk, people keep talking about people keep talking about Kendrick Bourne. Like he's not getting on the field enough. Look at his snaps versus Nelson Aguilar and Devontae Parker's Kendrick Bourne's on the field, like five times as much as they are. Kendrick, like, <laughs> like they, they, I, Nelson Aguilar's snaps are going to go down and Thornton's are going to go up. I like where your head's at though, Russ, in terms of, you know, running with rookies, scout team, right. not like necessarily starters. So yeah, they probably do have a better rapport than most of what your point is. But I thought, I thought the fact that he was on the field as much as he was what, right after coming off of IR, I thought just spoke to how the coaching staff views him. I thought it was a really positive sign for him. Absolutely. A very huge positive sign. Okay, guys, before we talk about and preview the upcoming game against the Browns, I've got a curveball topic, and it's more of a topic about a former Patriots player. I want to get your thoughts on this because it's in the news. It's it's in everywhere. Everyone has seen it. I know, Chris, you probably have heard about it in England. Steve, I want to get your thoughts on the Tom Brady situation. Okay? I, and I know we're going off of football a little bit, but – Anyone that doesn't know, I named my son after Tom Brady. And I'll always be indebted to Tom Brady for what he gave us. And I, he's still the greatest player that has ever played the game, in my opinion. But, Steve, I just want to talk about this a little bit because it's everywhere. It's everywhere here. It's everywhere nationally. I'll turn on the Today Show. They're talking about Tom Brady and Giselle. And I just think it's sad. And I just wanted to start off by saying I wish the best for Tom Brady and Giselle, and I hope it doesn't go down a very bad path. It's already headed there. I hope that gets turned around because I don't wish that on anyone. So I just wanted to mention that I do wish the best for Tom Brady, and I hope this situation improves. I think he looks sick. He looks like tired. He looks like a guy who's going through divorce. I'm telling you. I mean, I, I'm not even, I'm not like really trying to be funny. He just looks like he's just going through some shit. You can just see it in his face. He just doesn't look like, you know how yeah. normally it's like, it, it's like it's like anyone who ever takes a picture of Tom Brady, he could be eating like a Philly cheesesteak in like old yep. raggedy sweats, and someone would take a picture of him, and he just looks like a model. You know, it's like right now he just looks like he. Just, I don't know if it's the shadow, if it's just the, the it's the, like the sunken look in his eyes. I'm telling you, he looks like he's just going through stuff at home, and it is sad. It is it is sad. Uh, you know. So what you're kids. saying is yeah, there's okay. a chance. Yes. Yeah. You should have well, never left. This you is know, the point. This is the, this is the curse. Well, that goes to part of what I wanted to talk about, Steve, because I remember when we talked about when he retired, right? And I thought it was the right thing for him at the time because I was thinking, you know, he's accomplished everything that you could ever want to accomplish. There was really nothing else to do, but this is who he is. But at some point, I was hoping that. Something else would come first. And this to me is a, a very bad situation for him. And I feel terrible because we're watching it in public and he's dealing with it. And uh, I just, um, I'll say it again. As you said, well, there's a chance. I'm hoping that that chance happens for him because football will end one day. And I just hope that he's still with his entire family intact i just really want to know this is the i just we, should, we really should move on but i just okay. really want to know well, i'd like to know, talk about it briefly i just like to peek behind the curtain a little bit because part of me is like i maybe he maybe, maybe he told her that he would be that he was going to be done last year or something i don't know 
But to me, he always said he wanted to play till 45. I feel like he said that from like the beginning of their relationship, whenever that started like 10 years ago. So to me, it just seems yeah. like he's kind of doing exactly what he said he was going to do, but maybe, I don't know, maybe there's, she's just like, she, she thought she could handle it and she can, or I, I don't know. I mean, she's, well, she's put her life on hold for him for, oh, yeah. I agree with that. She's made and, a lot of sacrifices and, and he's, she's probably like, well, where is your sacrifice for me? You know what I mean? Right. Exactly. And you know, when he retired, I think, in her mind, that's when they were going to try to even the playing field, so to speak, you know, family-wise. And I think that decision, um, I was surprised by it because I was asked on another podcast um, down here in Florida right? back in March, do you think he's going to come back? And I was like, no, because, you know, Brady was of the mind, especially with Bill Belichick. But when you're thinking about retirement, you're already retired and you just stay that way. So I wonder if he I, just I was like surprised he, he came back and you know, uh hindsight being 2020, he's probably regretting it now. Well, does his the body are, language say the that? Bucks are struggling. Yep. Um, and like Derek said, you can see it in his eyes. When you're going through that type of thing, you know, you can focus all you want on Sunday, but you're still distracted all week. Yep. Yeah, he just looks like it. someone who's been burning the candle at both ends. You know yeah. what I mean? And, 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 and the fact of the matter is, you know, he could have just waltzed into retirement. Fox is going to pay him a ton of money yep. to be there. Their guy. There you go. Good, good call, Chris. Um, GMTA. So, yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, so, but, uh, you know, I, it, I just thought it was a bad call. I mean, I know the fire still burns bright for him, and it will. I, I saw an interview with Roger Staubach just last week, and or might have been longer than that, but um, where, where he says when he gets introduced onto the Cowboy Stadium for different events or whatnot, yeah. he still wants to get behind the center because he thinks he can still play. Right, so it doesn't go away. That that no. burning desire to compete is no. still right there. No, and listen, uh, for my other show, I actually talked to to uh, legends of of the other club that I follow, and they deal with the same thing. Because again, they need to be around it. They like to be around it. He'll always be around it. He's going to be covering the sport, but at some point. You know, and Chris asked this question, is he being selfish? And I would say yes. I would say yes. Obviously, his wife thinks so. But you know, and but you know, too, and that's why you see so many players now transitioning from the field to either podcasts or 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 journalism or some kind of, you know, there's so much, you know, on digital content. They want that outlet. They They want want they want they want to be close to as close as the game as they possibly can be. And, Look and at it Julian Edelman. Yeah, Julian and Edelman's he, doing it. Well, and he's all over. He's the, Paramount. He's got his the, own I don't podcast. Know if you guys watched any of the Thursday night stuff on Amazon. Yeah, it's all players. Look who's look who's on Amazon now or doing pregame stuff. Marshawn Lynch. Oh yeah, they're all doing it. Tony Gonzalez, Andrew Whitworth, Richard <laughs> Sherman, uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick. They're all. How there. about Rodney? Then, Look at and, Rodney uh, Harrison. Well, I mean, Marshawn there's Lynch so many. Would of them. never speak to the media. And now, and he's, now part he's a part of the, of the media. media. <clears throat> uh, that's great. Okay. 
Well, listen, I didn't want to spend too much time talking about him, but I just want to leave <laughs> this conversation by saying I, I do wish the best for Tom Brady. Okay. Coming up next, we're going to preview the upcoming game for the Patriots against the Cleveland Browns. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, guys, let's just get to it. Guys, give me your opening thoughts on the Cleveland Browns. Derek, I'll give you first crack at this. Well, uh, the Browns uh, right now are... You know, they've been competitive and they've pretty much been, I think, what what a lot of people pegged them to be, you know, without Deshaun Watson, which is a team that has a pretty good roster, good, uh, you know, defense that uh, can get after the passer, uh, a, a team that can really run the ball, which they've done. And, um, you know, they've come up short a few times. I think Jacoby has played OK. He's kind of your prototypical backup quarterback, but certainly one of the better backups in the league. Um, and. Uh, they are running the ball, I think, a little over 190 yards a game right now. And this isn't someone that has, this isn't a team that has a running quarterback like a Josh Allen or a Lamar Jackson that, that fluffs those numbers. This is just Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt running the ball. And um, they have a big offensive line. And, uh, you know, they, I just think it's going to be, it's going to be first priority for the Patriots to be stopping the run this week. And I'm sure it's going to be the same for Cleveland. It's going to be a, a game that, both teams are going to want to control that line of scrimmage and run the ball. Um, and I am curious to see what they look like when Watson gets back on the field, assuming he does, um, because I think they could be dangerous. But um, right now, I just think they're kind of a, a middling team that will, if you let them control the, you know, if you let them control the game on the ground, you know, they can hurt you. But if you can control that run game and keep them out of the end zone, I, I think that you'll be in good shape. Okay, Steve. Your thoughts on the Browns. Do you agree with Derek's assessment? Oh, yeah. Um, They're averaging 192 yards a a game on the ground. That's number one in the NFL. And those two guys are excellent in the running game. Uh, But, you know, the the one thing about Cleveland, and it's been true the past few years, every year we hear, you know, the Browns are building a really good, solid football team, and then they find ways to lose every week, it seems. You know, um, how many times have we seen the Browns snatch defeat out of the jaws of victory in the last few years? They've done it a couple of times this year. So, you know, it's like, like Derek said, if they run the ball like they can, control the clock, control the tempo, they'll be in the driver's seat. But if you can slow that down, I think this team can be beaten. Uh, we've seen the, the Jets do it. I mean, you know, they, they melted down in that last couple of minutes against the Jets and Joe Flacco. I mean, that's been their MO. And, you know, uh, until they fix that, even with Deshaun Watson, you know, it's tough to say this team is going to be anything more than it is. Okay, good stuff. All right. Derek, back to you. Before we break down who has the advantage, let's get to the topic at hand. Chris Goodwin brings us Browns preview. 
Don't worry, be zappy. <laughs> Derek, are you expecting Bailey Zappi to be the Patriots quarterback on Sunday? There are reports that obviously Mac Jones has been playing. You're Bill Belichick. There's even a question of his health. Talking about he's not probably maybe 50, 60 percent. Who do you go with? If Mac Jones is is around 75 percent, I'll go. Um, if the doctors say he's he, that they clear him and Mac wants to go, I say you go. I don't okay. think he's quite there yet. I still think he needs another week. If you wait out, if you wait him out this week, the next week is on Monday night versus the Bears at home. I just think it'd be easier. Get a little bit more treatment on that ankle. Um, there's been a lot of reports that I think it was Mike Giardi of NFL Network mentioned how he still has some instability in that ankle. The word instability scares me. Um, you know, you really don't want to turn this into a, okay, you missed three games. You go back out there. Now you're going to miss three more, four more because you hurt it again. That to me would be just a horrible, horrible way for the season to go because it is all about his development at the end of the day. I do think they'll go with Zappy because I do think it's me closer to 50 or 60% rest. Like you said, yeah. um, I've been, I've been encouraged by some of the videos that we've seen because he's looked a lot better uh, than he did last week. And there's been some encouraging reports around him, but I do think that they ultimately go with Zappy because I just don't think Max quite there. But as Steve and I've talked about it before the show started, I'd probably put it around like 40% that Mac 40% chance that Mac has a chance to play. Okay. Steve, do you think it's going to be Zappy? Do you, Agree with Derek that it's like 40%? Yeah, from Mac I think Jones? there's uh, 40, 60 that Mac Jones plays. I mean, we'll see what happens. I think that's it would be the smart play to let Zappi play this week, bring back uh, Mac Jones next Monday night against the Bears, give him that extra week to heal up, you know. But, um, you know, stranger things have happened, so – yeah, I wouldn't so, totally rule it out. I mean, no. okay. All right. GMTA, Claire. <laughs> okay. I saw her other comment. And... Her other comment? I can share her other comment because Claire's commenting as well. Cleveland could be pushed to beat themselves. Claire, you are right. And I actually like that picture of you, Claire. That's a good picture of you. I like and you picture. know what, too? I mean, look, the Browns beat the Panthers early in the year, um, they beat the Steelers uh, by 12. There are three losses are by a combined six points. So when they're losing, they're barely losing. They're sure. one point, two point, three point. <laughs> that's that's it. Okay. So to me, to me, what that tells me is that they're a competitive team and it's going to come down to a couple of plays and who's the more disciplined team. I don't think, unlike last week where Bill, you know, is at his height of coaching and he's going against Dan Campbell, who no offense to Dan seems like a nice guy, but I'm not sure can coach himself out of a paper bag. Um I don't know. I don't think Kevin Stefanski is. Uh, uh, I think he's a better coach. So I expect that team to be running a little well. And I do think it's going to come. It could come down to what quarterback makes the makes the most mistakes. And that does worry me a little bit about Zappy because in the back of my mind, I don't know how you guys feel, but I look at it and say, you know what, Zappy didn't turn into a puddle in Lambeau. And you know what, he played pretty good against the Lions. It's like almost waiting for that other shoe to drop, you know. Like I guess that's the pessimistic, you know, you know, side of me. But, um, you know, they have put him in good positions to to succeed. But I do think it could come down to just one or two mistakes. This game's coming. And then don't forget, negative Derek shows up. Yeah, welcome. (laughs) Hey, uh, don't forget last week. You know, at home, the Browns gave up like over 200 yards rushing to a, a Chargers team 
that was one of the worst rushing teams in the league. Yep. So, okay. you know, it, it, it it's going to be who executes better. Okay. And that's going to lead to the matchups. Steve, over to you first. Which team has the advantage? The Patriots are on offense. The Browns are on defense. In the passing game, we're just talking about Bailey Zappi. We think it's going to be Bailey Zappi. Do you give him and the Patriots offense the advantage in the passing game or the Browns? I'm going to go with the the Browns on this one because I I think that, you know, uh, the training wheels are still on here. They are on. And, you know, um, I, you know Derek mentioned um, before we came live on the air that Jadavion Clowney will be out, which is a big loss for them, both in the running game and – you know, rushing the pass and Denzel Ward, their best corner. That's the the other one that I wanted to mention. Yeah, because he's their best cornerback, I believe. I I think okay. he's their best cornerback. He had a concussion, and now he's out. So I think th- that will help the Patriots because you know, addition by subtraction out there, you know, uh, th- they're missing two of their better defensive players. But I, I still think the training wheels are on for Zappy. I don't expect Bill to get all pass happy with this, but uh, yeah, I'm going to still give the advantage to Cleveland. Okay. Derek, over to you. Who has the advantage when the Patriots are on offense and the Browns are on defense in the running game? I'm going to go with the Patriots. I just feel like, I, I just think the Patriots right now have really, really turned a corner with the offensive line and the running game. I'd feel even stronger about it if Damian Harris was playing. But like I mentioned earlier, I just am excited to see Ramondre in the role of kind of like this is his. I mean, we haven't had – we. it's always been running back by committee. But, I mean, you're talking about like Lawrence Maroney, Corey Dillon, where you, you were talking about guys getting like the lion's share of carries. And I think that could be Ramondre next year. We'll see. But I'm curious to see how he looks because is, I think very highly of Damian Harris as a player, and I think Stevenson's better. And uh, it's not a knock on Damien. I just like, and I thought you saw it at times there, that jump cut he had on the far side of the field that dropped the Lions defensive back. I was like, oh man, that you don't see guys that are, you know, 230-ish pounds, 225 pounds move quite the way he does. He has a lot more wiggle than I think defenders realize. And so he's, he's been able to. Um, he's, he, I think he's able to make the most of it, but yeah, for us, I go, I go with the Patriots, um, as the, with the advantage on the ground. Okay. I, I'm curious to see how much Kevin Harris and Pierre Strunk play. If there's 30 carries, I say they both get, I don't know, four each. Like, I think it'll be something like that. Yeah. I'm, I, well, for Strong, I'd be curious to see if they use him as a third down back. That what, what do we read into Kevin Harris being elevated over J.J. Taylor? Well, I think, you know, the Patriots like to pound the ball right now. And, you know, I think he fits that mold better than J.J. Taylor does. That's why, you know, when we were talking offline earlier this week, Derek, I said I, I think there's a good chance they could elevate Kevin Harris because you did say he's that. that big bruiser. Now, he doesn't have the wiggle that Ramondre does, but he's a tough kid. And he can move the pile, so – I can't decide if it speaks hot, more highly of Kevin Harris being elevated or more of an indictment on J.J. Taylor and not being elevated. And I'm I'm leaning towards the optimistic side. You're welcome, everybody, to Kevin Harris being like, 
wow, they they must think pretty highly of the of a, of a rookie to be put in that situation. They already know where Pierre Strong stands because of special teams. But you know, JJ Taylor, I know they like because he's on the team. But the fact that Kevin Harris was was elevated over him, I just I'm curious to find out when we're watching the game if we're seeing or if what's kind of if the reason is kind of laid out in front of us, like. Okay, that's why they wanted Kevin Harris because they want to use him in this this situation or whatever. I don't know. I I just thought it was an interesting side topic. So yeah, well, where they're running, excuse me, you know these power runs and that you know the bruising stuff up the middle. I think that fits Harris more. I think JJ Taylor's more of that change of pace guy because he's not really a receiver. He's just a change of pace type of guy, kind of in the mold of Deion Lewis, but not as good. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I just think that, you know, they, they expect a tough physical game. And I think they just feel that Harris is a better fit against the Browns than Taylor is. I, I think next week they could change their mind. Right. Well, it'll okay. be interesting to see. So. Okay, guys, let's uh, flip it. Steve, over to you. <laughs> <laughs> Russ is sick of us. Steve and I are talking about like the four, the fifty-third guy on the roster. That's Russ, okay. let us have our minute. <laughs> um, give, do you want me to? What you guys continue? No, we, we no, could no, for another thirty no, minutes. Let's, but no, let's keep going. <laughs> okay, okay, Steve, over to you. Who has the advantage when the Patriots are on defense and the Browns are are on offense in the passing game? I think the Patriots do. I've I've, I've been very encouraged with the way the secondary has looked. I think they're going to face a, a real another really good tight end, David Njoku, this week. Mm-hmm. I think Very he's athletic. I think he's excellent. Um, but at the same time, you know who knows Jacoby Brissett better than Bill? You know, and I, I think they'll throw some wrinkles at him. Um, plus the fact that I, you know, as much as I've liked the way the secondary's played, I really like the way the pass rush is coming together. Matthew Judon has just been. Uh, you know, a game wrecker for the opponents. I, I think he's primed for uh, another big week. I know that's a really good offensive line, but I thought Detroit had a really good offensive line and he was just wreaking havoc back there. The way so, they've utilized Judon this year has been interesting. So he was playing a significantly higher snaps than what he was playing in Baltimore last year and he got burnt out. Right now, when I looked at it, he's playing about 57% of the snaps, which is lower than you'd think because of how active he is, but he's been staying fresher. And what the Patriots have done a lot, which is they've either taken Juwan Bentley and put him on the edge. They've done a lot of Anthony Jennings, a lot of Jelani Tavai, and they've done a really nice job setting the edge when Judon's not out there. Now, they haven't had a great pass rush necessarily without him being on the field, but they've done a really nice job setting the edge at least without him on the field, and I've been impressed with that. I, I think, you know, guys like Anthony Jennings and, uh, like you said, Tavai, they've, they've kind of moved those guys around a little bit on early downs, and it's given Judon a break. And, you know, that was one of the things they had trouble with last year is setting the edge in the running game, which is why they left Judon out there so much. But mm-hmm. I think these guys so far have been doing a great job. This will be a big test this week against the Browns running backs. But, you know, to flip it back to the passing game, I think the Patriots have the advantage here. I I think they'll be – I think they'll win this matchup as long as the running game doesn't, you know, annihilate them with 200 yards or whatever. Okay. Derek, 
your thoughts on the running game for the Patriots defense against the Browns. This is going to be a challenge. It's going to be a challenge, and I give the edge to the Browns here, but here's my thing. It's like you're going to go in. I feel like the Patriots need to go into this with the mindset of like you're going to be in a street fight. You're going to, okay? So you're going to be in a street fight. You're probably going to get your nose bloodied a little bit. The point is, is that you just don't want to get hit too badly. You know, it's like you, you just, you want, we know the Browns are going to have some success on the ground. We, we, they're going to want to run the ball. That's what they do. And they do it well. If I'm the Patriots, I say, that's fine. We, we can let them run the ball, but they can't control the game. And I know it's a really fine line and I'll be curious to see what, wrinkle the defense has here because I think they have been good on the edge where they've really had problems is in the middle and where they, what they've been doing is Barmore Christian Barmore is just, he's good against the pass. He's been double teamed a lot, but in the run he's getting moved a lot. And what teams have been doing, if they've been double, they've been basically like, like throwing a wedge in the middle of the offensive line and they're running right up the middle. And these Patriots linebackers are real, real light, especially if it's Mac Wilson out there. I almost think they need to bring Kyle Duggar into the box. Like, you know specifically is like a middle linebacker almost in this game because he hits and tackles so well we saw it on full display last week which might have been Kyle Duggar's best game as a pro but how the Patriots defend the run in this game is ultimately going to be probably what decides the entire matchup okay excellent stuff all right guys let's get to it it's time to really break this down Steve over to you give me your three keys to victory and prediction well number one is I, we've already talked about this, the red zone, you know, um, um, production has to be much, much better. Okay. Um, that's been something, you know, um, that's been plaguing them even back to last year, you know, they were over four, you know, inside the 20 last week and, you know, they have to allow a little bit, of the training wheels to come off for Zappy. It's not fair to him, you know, when you have 10, 11 plays in the red zone and you only throw it once or twice. So, you know, and I think play action passing on first down inside the red zone will be huge this week because I, I believe that if you do that, the Browns are going to try to stop the run first and foremost. Yep. So if you get those linebackers peeking up, you know, um, and you run a play action pass. I think Hunter Henry, um, you know, is is prime for a, a big game this. Oh week. no 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 no! You can't do this. Yes, <laughs> I am because I think that's how. I you... agree with you, but but you know who's lighting up right now? <laughs> well, and in that she should. But number two, you have you're not going to stop Cleveland's running game. Okay, like Derek said. You can only but hope to continue. You have to slow them down. And, you know, it's it's going to get to where, you know, they, they might get a first down or two here and there, but, you know, you have to force Jacoby Brissett to beat you. Okay. And yep. and I, I think that's, you know, that that's going to be a big key for them this week. I think you're going to see a lot of the big packages this week where Bentley and Tavai are inside. You know, Judon, uh, Anthony Jennings, guys like that, uh, because you have to slow down that running game and get them in passing situations. And the third, I think, when you do, uh, you know, attempt passing this week, 
you have to stretch the field both vertically and horizontally. And as I started to say, we get off on a tangent about Tyquan Thornton. With Aguilar banged up this week, this might be one of those games where, you know, he has one or two big plays. He might not have more than two, three, four catches, but two of those might be big ones. And, you know, again, play action passing, get him in, you know, uh, out on an island against somebody and let his speed work for you. I'll, I'll, I'm telling you right now that it's happening. They they are throwing a bomb to Taekwon this week. Yeah, I think so. Mo, my, I'll, I'll keep it quick because we've been going on and I can tell Russ is getting bored. So, um, bored. <laughs> <laughs> no, but honestly, no, I, I, I agree with uh, my first two keys are exactly with Steve. Um, and really it kind of turns into the it's third the one. Steve and Derek show. I'm just a bystander. That's true. That's true. It's, Claire's on the show more than you are at this point. Oh, <laughs> Claire and Chris, Chris has said oh. more in the comments than you said. All oh, show. I'm a passenger. <laughs> oh no. Okay. But, but no, 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 no. I'm, I'm only teasing. I'm only teasing. Know, but, but seriously, it's, it's all about, Containing the run the best you can, not letting it control you. Red zone production and making Jacoby Brissett beat you. That's really comes down to it. Um, you know, I think that, like I said, the Browns have been tough outs. They've they've won two, they've lost three, but they've lost those three by a combined of six points. I, it they there it's not going to be an easy game. I I'll tell you right now, if Mac Jones was playing in this game, I would feel much better than what I do right now. I do think the Patriots will win the game, but. I would feel a lot better if this wasn't Bailey Zappi with another week on film, kind of going through everything. You know, I just, I if it was Mac in this game, I think they would win by 10. I don't think it's going to be quite that easy this week. Okay, so let's just get to it. Derek, give me your prediction. Well, I'm going to go with a very Chris Berman-like score here. And oh. I'm going with the Patriots to go 26-20. Okay, I'm saying 26 because the Patriots are going to win by six, which is how many points the Browns have combined losses have been this season because they're that much better. Now, um, I I just see the Patriots. I see them scoring a couple of touchdowns. I see them kicking a couple of field goals. That's kind of how I got to the 26. Um, I do think that ultimately the Browns and the Patriots are both going to have success on the ground. I just think that the Browns are going to make a mistake somewhere that tra- okay. that changes the game. I don't know. I haven't seen a lot from the Patriots this year to give me a ton of confidence versus very good competition. But I think in games like this, um, I think that they still come out, you know, on top. So I'm going Patriots 26-20. Okay, interesting prediction. Steve? Yeah, uh, I wrote in my uh, keys to the game yesterday, I I predict the Patriots are going to win 24-20. to Wow. And two words. Marcus Jones. Marcus. Let's go, baby, to the house. <laughs> okay. So we're going to the other Jones. Okay. Well, guys, I will give my prediction. But before I do that, I think I have a prediction from our friend Claire. So let me just find that real quick because I think that she gave a prediction. And she's going for a little bit of a blowout here. Claire's going 30 a to 10. A little bit. Pages. 20 points is a blowout. Yeah, it's a blowout. So, Especially Claire, on the road. Claire, I love your confidence. I don't feel as confident as you. But I am going to go 21 to 17 Patriots. So I'm going to go somewhere to Steve. And uh, before I go, I, I have to share this with you. Chris, Chris, they are actually playing. Uh, they're playing tomorrow and they're playing uh, Bournemouth, in case you're wondering. Okay. Nothing to do. But since it was a Steve and Derek show, I thought I would give a little fool in here. So. <laughs> okay. Guys, final thoughts before we go. Let's wrap this up. Steve, over to you. I think it's going to be a, a, a fun and interesting game to watch. 
because both teams like to do the same thing. They like to run the football. Both teams have backup quarterbacks in. Well, we think the Patriots will. So I think it's going to be a fun game, and whoever makes less mistakes will win. Bingo. Okay, that's good. Okay. My final thoughts are basically just, uh, and I've done this before, just uh, thank you to Steve, Derek, Claire, Chris, everyone that watches and listens to the show. We've been doing this for now 11 years, and it's been great. And uh, I really appreciate everyone. And I honestly, the comments that I get, forget about the ones on Apple Podcasts that I mentioned, and, and there are some, are very positive and just talk about it. And I've actually had someone that I work with recently listen to the show, and he says to me, you guys sound like, you guys know each other's moves and that's basically it. And it's very smooth. This is someone that listens to a lot of NFL podcasts and says to me that we stand up with those NFL podcasts. And I thought that was really nice. So I just wanted to share that, that um, we're doing something right because people continue to listen and watch Patriots fourth and two. So I'll leave everyone with that, but it is time to wrap up the show for Derek Havens. Steve, what about Derek's final thoughts? Oh, I thought Derek gave his file thoughts, didn't he? No, I didn't, but I was just going to let him go. I've said enough this show. Oh, okay. I'll just, I'll just say this. I'll just say this, too, to echo Russ's thoughts. If anyone's ever wondered what it's time to wrap up the show. If, <laughs> if, any, if anyone's ever wondered what a conversation of Steve and I are like on the phone, it's basically what we are doing, what we just did with the running back talk in the middle of the Browns breakdown okay. where we're just talking about Kevin Harris and J.J. Taylor for five minutes. Okay. But that's basically what happened. But okay. I will say this. I'm hoping for some ibuprofen this week because I got, I got to get rid of this fever. The zappy feet. Oh, God. Okay. Okay. Enough. <laughs> enough. I've had enough of that, but I will just say this one last time. Just big thank you to everyone that watches and listens. And uh, I am very sorry that I forgot Derek, but um, and I'll just mention that to end the show. A Freudian slip. Yeah. I guess so. For Derek Havens and Steve Balsheri, I'm Russ Coleman. Thank you as always for watching and listening to Patriots 4th and 2, the official podcast of PatsFans.com. <laughs>